fun this weekend? All right. Amen. It is uh, good to be here. I'm. Here we go. This needs to get away. Go away. Okay. I've been excited to be back. It's been a few years since I've been able to be here, but uh, I attended school here from 94 to 97. It was New Brunswick Bible Institute that helped to shape and form my ministry career and helped me to do what I'm doing today in reaching young people with the gospel of Christ and then training students to go and share that gospel message with others. This is my wife, Melissa. Uh, we're missionaries again with Word of Life. And uh, you can visit us on our fan page at uh, Wall John and Melissa at Facebook.com. If uh, you don't remember that, then you can pick up our Christmas newsletter that's out there. And the address is on there. It's also got my email. You can come and find my wife and I on Facebook. We would love to be your friends. And uh, keep in touch with us. That way, and then again, if you take these prayer cards, I got a hundred or so of these before I came, and I don't want, really want to take them back on the plane with me. So if you would take one, put it on your fridge, where you go often, uh, or girls, maybe on your mirror, uh, and pray for us. We'd appreciate it a lot as you pray for our ministry as we seek to serve the Lord at the Bible Institute in Owen Sound, Ontario. We're talking about the book of Jude this weekend in contending for the faith, contending for the faith. And this morning, we're going to talk about the battle cry. Last night, we talked about the battle within and that questions aren't a problem, but we need to seek answers to those questions. And then when we find the answers, we need to trust those answers and they lead us to God and His Word, which is the truth. And last night, we had an encounter with who Jesus was. Legend? Not likely. Liar? Oof, don't think so. Lunatic? Probably not. And so, the only thing left is that He's the Lord of the universe, and He is very God, and He came to save us from our sins. And that's something we saw last night. Jude's life changed from the mocking skeptic to the guy who was passionate about talking about Jesus Christ and the message of the Gospel. And so, we're looking this morning again at verses 1-3. to It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. As we approach that once delivered faith, let's come to the author in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word that gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. The answers of life are in these pages. And Lord, we thank You that You've not left us in the dark. We thank You that You have made a way of salvation through Your Son. And we thank You that You have given us us this incredible instruction manual that has once been delivered to the saints for our instruction, for our exhortation, and to help us to live the lives that You have preserved us for, that You have sanctified us for, that You have called us for, as Jude writes in his introduction. Lord, I pray that You would open the eyes of our hearts this morning. I pray that we would grow in our diligence, in our discernment, and our dedication towards this faith. May it be said of our lives this weekend that we would earnestly contend for the faith. In Your name, Amen. 
All right, so we have the battle cry, earnestly contending for the faith. Last night we talked about Jude's past and that he was a skeptic, but his life was changed and his passion became about who Jesus was. And he wanted to give diligence to write about the common salvation, but the Holy Spirit superintended and changed his mind, and so he writes the treatise that we have before us. And he's writing... His purpose, he gives it to us right up front. His his purpose is that believers would earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith. And our battle cry this morning and this weekend from the book of Jude is to earnestly contend for the faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, talking about earnestly contending, you can't contend for the faith if you aren't diligent about your faith. You can't contend for the faith unless you're diligent about your faith. Students, there's a brand of theology that says, you read the Word, and it's all good. And you just let God do all the rest. And if God is not making you do something, then you don't have to worry about it. You just live whatever way that you feel led to live. That's a problem. Some of us have done that. It's backed us into some pretty shameful corners. And it lets us feel stuck and purposeless in our lives. We need to balance that. And there is this balance between God's sovereign will and how God works in our lives. And yet, there's another side that Paul says we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to live with that tension in Scripture. And you can't jump into one theological box or another. There is that tension in Scripture. We have personal responsibility to live and to act and to respond to God's Word. And at the same time, God is working His good pleasure throughout the world. There's that tension that we need to live with. But we have a personal responsibility. We need to be diligent about our faith. Today, you're going to be diligent about a number of things. Some of you are going to be really diligent on the basketball court. And I hope I can get done some messages this afternoon so that I can show up and uh, play some hoop too. We're going to be diligent. We're going to earnestly contend for the goal and getting the ball in the net and stopping the other team. Some of you are going to earnestly contend more than others. That's all right. But you're going to earnestly contend. You're going to fight for it. We'll fight for sports. Some of you are going to earnestly contend in the pool tournament. Some of you are going to earnestly contend and sweat drops of blood and tears in whatever Mission Impossible is tonight, right? We don't even know yet, but you're going to contend. Why? Because you want the prize for your team. We're willing to contend on the sports field. Some of you are going to earnestly contend <laughs> in something like this. Some of you may have seen this. This is some earnest contending right here. Okay, 
Is it just me or did that last guy look like Jackie Chan? Anybody catch that? <laughs> Earnestly contending. Now, don't step on the pool tables here. I'm not sure they can handle it. But uh, these are professionals. Don't try this at home. Those guys were earnestly contending. And it's easy to see and it's easy for us to earnestly contend on the sports field when it comes to athletics, when it comes to the activities and the physical things that we love to do. But what about the faith? Paul said... Um, Paul said, what did Paul say? (laughs) It left me, never mind. Physical exercise, there it is, it's coming back. Physical exercise profits a little, but godliness profits in all things. Now, I can show you a 124-page report written by a science journal and a medical journal that talks about 120-some pages that talk about the physical benefits of exercise. And Paul says, yeah, that's a little. Compared to godliness, physical exercise is nothing. What about in our lives? How does the effort and the diligence we put into contending the faith compare to our effort and diligence on the sports field? Or in our workplaces, when we're doing what we want to do. Sometimes it's easy to contend for the things that we love, but the thing that we love isn't often the Word of God. We need to put effort into our faith. We talked about skeptics last night, and the reality is, skeptics and the world laughs at Christians without effort. They look at us, and they have an idea about what we believe. You know, that we, we believe in God, we, need, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and maybe something about Jesus and salvation and heaven and hell. I mean, the world looks at us, and they at least probably know that much. Well, they look at our lives, and if we're not putting any effort into this faith that we so supposedly hold to, they look at that and go, what? If there really is a God that really created the world and really gave His Word, and there's really only one way of salvation, and if Jesus was real, and He really is the only way to get to heaven, and if there's a real place called hell, then why are you so lazy about it? If these things are true, they deserve effort. And the world looks at us, whether they understand all our beliefs or not, and it just doesn't measure up. Christians that aren't putting any effort into their faith. doesn't make sense. This is another excuse for a skeptic to laugh at Christianity. And one more excuse in the quiver of unbelievers to fire at us. One more reason for the unbelievers around us to go, eh, it's not really a big deal. Look at their life. It's not a big deal. And they say they believe it's true. Skeptics laugh at Christians without effort. How much effort have I put into my faith over this last year? How much effort have I put into my faith this last month? How much effort have I put into my faith this past week? How much effort have I put into my faith today? That's going to be shown in where we spend our time, What we do, how we spend our money, our free time, who we hang out with, where we go, what we read, what we look at, what we listen to. 
How much of an investment have I made in my faith? The call is to earnestly contend. And let's take, just start somewhere, but let's take a little bit of that energy. Let's take a little bit of that effort that we're so passionate about on the sports fields and put it into our faith. Well, how do we do that? What do we need to do? Well, next up, in order to earnestly contend for our faith, we can't contend for the faith if we can't discern the faith. What is he talking about? I need a D word. It's discern. It's, I mean, it fits. So let me explain it to you. You can't contend for the faith that you don't know about. Right? Um, uh, campers that have come, we could ask you to come up here and we could uh, assemble a debate team and we'll put uh, some of Pastor Doherty's little expressions in a box and we'll pull them out. Students know what I'm talking about. Uh, and we'll say, okay, campers, debate superlacerianism. Patripassionism. Supersessionism. And you're going, what is he talking about? He's speaking in tongues here this morning. <laughs> you, can't de- you can't debate, you can't contend for something that you don't know about. How many of us know the Word of God that we apparently claim to hold to? We say we're Christians. We say there's a God who's given His Word, and yet we have no idea what He's talking about. We can't contend for a faith that we don't know about. How much effort and diligence have we put in today, this week, this month, this year, to knowing the Word of God? As Christians... If we call ourselves Christians and we want to take this name of Christ, we've got to know the Word of God. We've got to know it. The Bible says this is our spiritual food. We've got to eat it. And if you're not hungry for the Word of God, there's a problem. Because there's a lot of parallels to our spiritual walk and our physical walk. If I'm not hungry for the Word of God, there's a problem. If I'm not hungry for food physically, there could be one of three things wrong with me. Number one, I'm full. Spiritually speaking, can I ever get full of the Word of God and be just like, whoa, just can't handle anymore. I got it. Not going to happen. Testimony revealed it tonight. You know, homeschooled, church all the time. Some of you can relate to that. Guess what? Just scratching the surface of what's in this book. So we're not full of the Word of God. It just doesn't happen. There's too much here. So what's another problem? If I'm not hungry physically, I could be sick, right? Well, if I'm spiritually sick, what does that mean? Paul talks about that as being carnal, too busy fighting over stuff and too distracted by the things of the world. Spiritually speaking, I could be sick. If I'm sick, what do I need to do? Get well. I need to go to the great physician. How do we get well? I need to go to the Word of God and crave it and hunger for it. The other problem, if I'm not hungry for food, is I could be dead. And after you're dead, you ain't hungry no more. right? Spiritually speaking, it's the same. If there's no hunger for the Word of God, either you're so full, you can't, not going to happen, or you're, you're sick, and you need to get right with God, or you're dead, and you've never had that encounter with Jesus that we talked about last night. We need to hunger 
for the Word of God. We need to take the effort that we're so passionate about in other areas of life, and we need to start putting even a shade of that effort into our faith. We need to be diligent about contending for the faith and the faith itself, and we need to be discerning about what the faith is. We need to know our Bibles if we say we believe this stuff. To contend for the faith, we've got to know the faith. Skeptics in the world laugh at Christians without answers. They laugh at us. Now, I want to suggest, like I told you last night, there are answers. We don't have to, every time someone talks about evolution and science, we don't have to go, ah, I'm Christian. We don't have to cower and hide. I'm telling you, Christianity makes sense, and there are answers. From true science, archaeology, and history, there are answers to the questions that the world's asking. The problem is, the world is asking them loud, and the world is asking them aggressively, and we kind of go, We don't have to do that. There are answers. We need to know them. We need to find them. Don't be a lost skeptic who doesn't seek out the answers. The Bible, Peter contends, give an answer. Be ready to give an answer for your faith. If we say we're Christians, we've got to have some answers to questions. Questions of life. Questions that our friends and our teachers are asking. Skeptics laugh at Christians without answers. One of the worst battlefields in this situation, for some of you it's your high school, if you haven't faced it in high school, those of you going off to university, you will face it. And you may face persecution in a classroom over your faith. Do you have an answer? You don't have to be obnoxious about it. You don't have to be arrogant about it. You don't have to be soapboxish about you know, standing up and preaching in the hallway. But you've got to give an answer. Because your faith makes sense. But skeptics laugh at Christians without answers. I want to challenge each one of you. And uh, yes, I put up Walby Slide here at New Brunswick Bible Institute. But you know what? There's no competition between Word of Life Bible Institute and New Brunswick Bible Institute. A number of us on staff at Word of Life had our training right here in these seats. We are just happy as a staff at New Brunswick Bible Institute and Word Life Bible Institute to see you go to Bible school and get the training that you need in the Word of God. We have different programs teaching much the same thing. And however God leads you, it would be great. But we would love to see you go to a good, solid, Bible-believing Bible school that will not only teach you the Word of God, but will teach you to live the Word of God and take it out to others in ministry. We would love to see you train at a Bible Institute for this year, whether it's Word of Life, whether it's New Brunswick Bible Institute right here. Consider taking a year of your life to study the Word of God. If you want some more information about Walby, you can take one of our web cards out on the black tablecloth table where I have my stuff. Across the hall, right outside the door here, is information about New Brunswick Bible Institute. Talk to any of the staff. Talk to any of the students. We would love to help you set a course to take at least one year of your life to study the Word of God so that you can discern your faith in a real way before you head off to university, before you head to the workforce like Emily found herself lost in this summer. Make sure that we have answers to stand for our faith. Study the Word of God. We need to know the faith. We need to be diligent about the faith. But it's not just that. 
James says we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. See, here's one of the problems with Bible school that I constantly remind our students, and it was a reminder I gave in chapel here the other day too. The problem is, Paul says, knowledge puffs up. There's got to be more. Now, I want you to study your Bible. I want you to do daily devotions where you get into the Word of God and you begin to feed yourself in the Word of God every day. And I want you to pull out your Bibles during our meetings here. And I want you to listen to your youth leaders and your pastors as the Word of God is presented. But here's the problem. It's got to be more than just knowing the faith. It has to be. We've got to live the faith or we're just deceiving ourselves. If it's just about knowing the answers to win the debates, we're deceiving ourselves and it's just religion and it's just intellectual arrogance. We've got to live the faith. In order to earnestly contend for the faith, I need to be diligent about my faith. I need to be discerning about what the faith is and I can't contend for the faith unless I'm dedicated to this faith and it makes a change in my life. Here's the problem. This is taken from a website called Religious Tolerance. It's a website dedicated to just presenting what different religions believe. I don't agree with a lot of stuff on the website, but this is their definition of what a Christian is. Most Christian, liberal Christian denominations, secularists, and public opinion pollsters, and in their last update of this definition, they also said, you know, the government of Canada defines... Christian very broadly as any person or group who sincerely believes themselves to be Christian. Definition of a Christian. I hope you have a problem with that. Right? But some of us don't have a problem with that. If we're really honest with ourselves. One of our students at the Bible Institute a couple years ago. Missionary kid. Pastor's kid. Athlete. Popular in school, was hanging out with one of his basketball buddies, and they were talking about school, and they were talking about life, and and one of the guys said, hey, you're a Christian, right? And and, and the student, as he he would share this testimony as he traveled, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. And his friend looked at him and said, yeah, but you're not a real Christian, right? It was a changing point in that young man's life. Because his friend looked at him and said, it's okay to be a Christian like this, but don't go getting all crazy on me. Don't actually live it. It's okay to say you're a Christian. But the minute that starts changing your life and changing your talk and changing where you go and what you do and what you say, that's a problem in our culture. But what kind of Christian do you want to be? A Christian that's going to earnestly contend for the faith cannot be happy with this definition. Even the world says it needs to be more. Brutus? Rachel? I heard you were back. What are you doing? Uh, just swimming. Wow, it is... Good to see you. You've gone a long time. I know. How are things? Same. Job's getting worse. Can't change the world on your own. What choice do I have? 
and you're too busy swimming. Okay, I guess uh, the plug isn't plugged in. Okay, you're too busy swimming. She then goes on to say, if I can remember it, because he says to her, this, this, this act of you know, throwing around money and hanging out with these girls, it's not really me. He's trying to hide the fact that he's, you know, he's really Batman. He's, he wants to tell her, but he, he can't. And she, he's actually fighting with her, but he can't tell her because that would give his way his identity and that would ruin the whole movie and, and all that kind of stuff. But, so he's trying to communicate to her, I'm, I'm really different. I'm really more than what you see. And her response, which is like a slap in the face to this character, is this. It's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. That's what the world is saying. It's what you do that defines you. It needs to be more than just our talk. It needs to be brought into action. I use a quote often. It says this, What I say I believe is not what I believe. What I say I believe is not what I believe. What I believe is defined by my actions and by my integrity. James says it this way, faith without works is... Faith without works is... Say it again. Faith without works is... It's what? It's not sick. It's not asleep. It's not on hold. It's not maybe tomorrow. Faith without works doesn't exist. We always live our faith. Every single day, every moment of our lives, we live our faith. Here's the problem. What faith am I living? As I live my faith every day. Is it the earnest contention for this faith? Or is it just what I want to do when I want to do it? To earnestly contend for the faith, I need to put effort and diligently learn my faith. I need to discern the faith and know what the faith is about. And then I need to dedicate my life to this faith. I was going to read a letter from an American college student who went down to Mexico and converted to communism. Gave his life to communism. And this letter was written back to his fiancée to break up with her. Because he was so passionate, so committed to communism. Communism doesn't work. It's been proven all over the world. And it's dying. But he gave his life to it. He's willing to break off an engagement. How many of us, I wish I could read that for you, how many of us have given our lives to this faith in that way? That this faith and the principles in this book govern the way I live, govern the way I talk, govern the relationships and friendships I have, govern my future plans, where I'm going to go to school, where I'm going to work, and what I'm going to do with my life. Does this faith impact my life in that way? That's dedication. That's real faith. That's being a real Christian. So, 
It's time to earnestly contend for the faith. Will you give it diligence to discern the faith and dedicate your life to doing what God wants? We need it to fight the battle. And you're going to be very surprised to learn where the battle is tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word guides and directs our life. Help us, Lord, to give diligence to learning our faith. Help us to know the faith. Help us to live the faith. Because it's true. God, I pray that you would bless the efforts that the students this weekend and this week are going to put into doing that. Lord, help them as they they try and do their devotions. They try and hunger for your word. They try and know the faith. Lord, I pray that you'd bless your word uh, in their lives. Help them to understand it. Help them to apply it to their lives and to begin to live it. May we allow your word to change every aspect of our life. The way we talk, the way we think, the way we live, the way we plan, the way we study, the way we work, the way we play. May every area of our life show that we are earnestly contending for the faith. In your name, amen.